0: Hello everyone, it's Rodrigo here bringing you another interview for Sonic Perspectives. This is our first video interview and we'll start on a high note with a man who's famous for playing so many notes, Mr. John Petrucci. John, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm the first one, I'm so honored. You are. All right, cool. (laughs) Let's see how this plays out. (laughs) Yeah, let's see. (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's talk about your solo album, Terminal Velocity, which was released digitally last Friday. Are you happy with the reaction so far? I am. I, I'm
1: very happy. I mean, uh, the response has been incredibly positive. Um, people seem happy and excited and seem to really like the music. So, I mean, uh, it, it, it was a great, great release day. It's been a great few days to, to see that. and I'm very, very thankful and grateful to everybody for uh, all the, the nice comments. You know, it's really been been fun.
0: Right, and yeah. this time you worked for a few months on the album, as opposed to your first one, suspended animation, where there were stops and starts. Right? right. Yeah. Do you feel that played a part in how the album came out in some way, or?
1: I think so. I mean, for me, I much prefer doing something from you know beginning to end, being able to focus on it, um, you know, and get the consistency of all the sounds, and you know, not not be distracted by other things and have to stop and start. I, I think it definitely helped the album. I think it helped the uh, the sound and production of the album. I think it helped the flow of the writing, you know, not to have to interrupt it that way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it definitely did. I think it had a positive effect.
0: Yeah. And yeah. for me, from my perspective, at least, these songs on Terminal Velocity feel more like they're part of a bigger picture than the right. ones on Spin Animation. Sure. Even Even though. Some of them have appeared in in your set list before with G Three, like uh, Glassy Eyes Zombies, for example, and Happy Song, which was yeah. called Cloud Ten, right? It
1: was, yes, it was. <laughs> I
0: changed the name, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. And uh, there's another song you played on those G Three shows called Zero Tolerance, yeah, which you didn't record this time. Was it not a good fit for the rest of the material? Or are you saving it for for something else, or
1: you know, I I, I re, uh, reviewed that song and I just didn't feel like it was strong enough. Um, I don't know. I, that's just my own personal opinion about it. I, I, I thought the other material was stronger. Plus, I wanted to write, uh, you know, a bunch of new stuff. And so, uh, you know, if I put that one on, then it would be it would have been five songs, uh, yeah, you know, old and I don't <laughs> know. I just wanted to write some new stuff. So I just thought, out of all of the older stuff, that was not the strongest. So I decided to leave it off. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. I mean, so and actually, I, I kind of what made me feel that way was when I was actually played it live
0: Mm-mm.
1: on G three. I just didn't have, I don't know, it the, the vibe to me wasn't as strong as right. like when I, when I played Glassy I like I felt this audience, you know, vibe, and with zero tolerance, I was like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know, just wasn't right. as cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, makes sense. Uh, there's another one that uh, is a, is an old tune which is called uh, Gemini right oh, yeah. which we know from your dVD rock discipline and I'm glad you finally did a like a fully recorded version of that song for us to enjoy yeah, and it does fit well with the rest of the songs, don't you think
1: I do it, I was a little bit worried about it because it mm. it was written so long ago and it stylistically it's very different than the the newer material mm. and I wrote it at the time for you know as more of like a almost a guitar demo ish kind of song. Right. So when I listen to it, like it sounds a little bit immature in (laughs) in the writing style. You know, it's not as cohesive as the other the new music. But I don't know, maybe that's cool. Maybe that's something that people like. I mean, I was I was a lot younger then, and Mm. I was doing guitar clinics and needed some sort of demo tracks so I could play. And so okay. that, thats sort of what it sounds like to me. But I try to modernize it and make it cool. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: Do you kind of feel that way when you bring songs from like when Dream and Day unite into the set, and you, yeah. look, you look back and you go, "Oh, what was I thinking?" Of? <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, right. I think uh, I think when Dream and Day unite, and I mean, it's a lot of people m- might not have even heard some of like the original like Majesty demos you know we did and like some of the old songs yeah i get that feeling like oh it's like i i I cringe like it sounds like (laughs) sounds like little kids trying to write music but right um you know what i think as of images and words i started to feel more art like even when i play those songs live now they still they still stand up you know when dreaming day unite has a little bit of that immaturity vibe to me yeah a little bit yeah
0: yeah Makes sense. And tell me about uh Temple of Circadia, which in my yeah. mind is one that will please the Dream Theater fans the most. When, yeah, what right? exactly is Circadia?
1: Well, I was thinking uh you you know the term uh circadian rhythm. Oh, your, right. You know, yeah. like your your sleep uh pattern sleep cycle. Yeah, yeah, that's where I can't, I don't even know if circadia is a word, but I just thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Is you
0: there know. some sort of motif that repeats itself during the song or, or like a riff or I mean you know, that's
1: the, the melody in that song was was something that that uh, I had written, uh, you know, that that repeats a couple of times that I thought was pretty strong. The the main uh, opening riff does reoccur a few times. I mean, I think stylistically, you're right. I mean, that that song was written on a seven string. Mm. Uh, it it I, I could picture that fitting into, you know, with the Dream Theater catalog. You know, if yeah. there were vo- vocals and keyboards, it probably would sound like a Dream Theater song you know it kind of has that more metal prog thing going on yeah that's probably one of the ones on the album that's more dream theater sounding uh-huh. for sure but you know it's funny how how it takes on its a, a new light when it's just only guitar bass and drums and it you know i i can kind of steer it in the direction of solo album just by you know the orchestration and the uh the way that i'm playing guitar on it the way the guitar is playing all the melodies instead of Mm-hmm. the vocals you know yeah. the way the guitar is playing all the
0: solos instead of sharing them things like that right yeah i understand and snake in my boots for me i think it's it's a personal personal favorite of mine it's oh, cool. designed to be played live right it with the, the clapping and everything it's, yeah yeah i
1: i um yeah. it's funny because some of the songs that i that i almost took a little lighter like mm-hmm. that were just kind of fun you know like out of the blue and snake in my boot like they they're turning out to be favorites of people and those are the most fun kind of songs for me um i I, a while back i had this idea like that it it would be really cool to get the audience doing some sort of pattern and then just playing guitar to that pattern Mm -hmm. you know like my original idea is that it would just be single guitar no other instruments but you know we developed it more than that but for the most part it is just like a one guitar throughout i mean it plays all the rhythm then it it shifts to the solos and it goes back to the rhythm. It doesn't really, there's not really layers of rhythm guitars and stuff like that. It's just meant to be like a live, like you said, like a live yeah. interactive thing. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You could yeah. play,
1: play it by the campfire.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think uh, the idea was, of course, to distance yourself from Dream Theater sonically a little bit, to a certain extent. Uh, were there moments where you wrote something for the album and you thought, like, no, this is too Dream Theater-esque, let's leave it behind, or...
1: Well, I I, I have a funny story about that, actually. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually, um, all the time, I collect different song ideas and seeds and, and mm-hmm. things that, you know, that I'll use later, and I, I organize them, and... I, I use some of the stuff with dream theater and some of the stuff with my solo album. And uh, one day in the studio, I had written um, a, this whole section of music, you know, spent most of the day working on it mm. and uh, thought it was really, really cool. And uh, came in the next day and something was bothering me about it. I'm like, it re- sounds really familiar, you know? Yeah. And uh, you know, we'd really worked on it. Me and my engineer programmed the drums. I'm like, I can almost picture like keyboards over this. It's just, Something is like really bothering me. And then it clicked that I had rewritten an older Dream Theater song <laughs> because, because, because I forgot to delete the, uh, the song idea from my uh, collection of ideas. <laughs> Jesus. So That must happen a lot. It doesn't happen a lot, thankfully. No, no it does not happen a lot. It, but it was a full wasted day of rewriting it, a song that I wrote before. No so way. it was pretty funny. All I thought right. you, have, you have to laugh, you have Of to course,
0: laugh. of course, yeah. <laughs> it was a good exercise. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the album cover is kind of a natural sequel to Suspended Animation and it yeah. has, I think, a common theme with Distance uh, Over Time, the latest Dream Theater album, and it's the notion of man versus machine a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that deliberate and uh, did you think of it in those terms or, or not really? Well, I mean, the, the there's three different artists
1: on the, the three releases you mentioned. You know, the yeah. original suspended animation was was one artist, Hugh Syme is the artist for distance over time, and Sean Mosier Smith is the artist for terminal velocity. And when I when I hired Sean to do this, um, you know, he knew that it was my solo album. Obviously, uh, you know, he he saw the original album cover. Um, I told him I wasn't looking for something in the direction of what Dream Theater does with the sort of more su- surrealist photography. Mm-hmm. I wanted something colorful. I wanted something, you know, just unique to this. And he presented a few different covers. Okay. And and this one immediately, along with the the title of the record, it just, it, like you said, it kind of felt like a companion mm-hmm. to Suspended. Like when you put them side by side, they almost look like, they make yeah. sense yeah, yeah they make sense the titles the looks you know one is like more white one's more black and they're both colorful and they kind of just work together i don't know they look like the yin and yang of uh yeah <laughs> of albums yeah yeah, yeah.
0: So. and and one choice i thought was quite unusual was andy sneep who's famous for his work with uh, more traditional metal bands like judas priest accept testament right how did you reach the conclusion that he'd be a good fit to mix the album I I
1: mean, I've been a fan of his as a mixer. I think he's an incredible mixer. Um, He uh, is a guitar player. He gets it. Yeah. uh, My wife and I saw him. I met him for the first time. We saw uh, Judas Priest. And so we saw Andy play with Priest and met him. You know, started, started, uh, uh, you know, talking to him through email then. Just about nothing, just like sharing photos from the night, you know. Okay. Um, But... uh, I don't know if this is a guitar centric album. Um, Most of the material is pretty heavy. It's like, and so I thought, man, Andy's like, I think he'd do a killer job on this. And uh, yeah, I I wasn't wrong. I mean, I I love what he did uh, on this. He did a really great job. He's just so good with, uh, he's great with guitars, obviously, all instruments, drums, bass, but um, it's the clarity on this record. Uh, the way that yeah. Yeah, yeah you know the way that he makes like the, the rhythm guitars speak in one way which is kind of a very sort of three-dimensional they have a lot of aggression and and hair to them they really like stand out mm-hmm. and then the lead guitars are you know have a very vocal sound and so yeah he just did a phenomenal job so happy to to have Andy you know yeah. work with him for the first time it was really cool
0: it's amazing for yeah. sure he's great yeah and I think uh, the elephant in the room on pretty much all interviews I saw about the album is the fact that you and Mike Portnoy are playing together again. He right. played drums on the album for us fans. It's a joy, of course, to see you both working together. We, yeah. know, we saw the pictures and the teasers and the videos and so on. yeah did you have any concerns about this being the main topic of conversation and not the album itself or was <laughs> that discussed uh,
1: yeah, I totally I totally that's exactly what was my concern. I was like, well. That's definitely going to happen, you know. Yeah. The the conversation might be more about Mike and I playing together and less about the music. Yeah. So I was, I was a little concerned about that. But I you know, at the end of the day, you know, I've said this before. It's like I, I wrote this between March and May. Mm-hmm. And I live in New York and it was just like, you know, full on pandemic in the US. And yeah. you know, I just woke up one morning like Man, life's too short. What am I worried about? You know, <laughs> so a lot of people talk about, you know, it's yeah. like, it, it turned out to be a really cool thing actually, because um, there's a lot of positivity behind, behind that decision. Like you said, you know, fans reaction was that they were so happy to see us playing together. So yeah. that, that infused an element of, uh, of, you know, joy to the project. And you know, I always put pressure on myself, like, I have to deliver the goods, no matter who's playing on the record, this has my name on it, Yeah, I, I haven't done an album in 15 years, I can't come out with a piece of crap, <laughs> <laughs> it, it better be good, so, you know, I, I focus on the material and the the sound, and like you said, using Andy, and so I knew that even if it, it got different type of hype or attention because of Mike, that the material would live up to that you know Yeah. hopefully that was my so hope be it. Yeah. 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 yeah so you know so so i felt confident and and like i said at the end of the day it's like yeah let's do it life's too short let's let's have some fun and i'm glad i did and mike did a killer job as as did. did as did dave i mean two amazing musicians i'm so lucky to be able to play with them
0: yeah dave to be honest with you i think he's the unsung hero of bass in oh, prog and, and prog metal i agree right. I he agree. doesn't have enough credit. I I don't know what's what goes on, but he should be in, in higher echelons, I, I believe, <laughs> he, right? He, he is he, I
1: totally agree with you and he is so he's such an incredible musician. I mean, his like just his approach, first of all his ability on the bass just uh, as a bass player is amazing to watch yeah. and to listen to, but he's just so musical, you know, when I've played so many uh shows with him uh, on mm-hmm. G3 like just being on stage with the guy, he's like the consummate professional, he's just never drops a beat, he's just unbelievable as a musician, so I yeah. agree, yeah, we need to, yeah. more more recognition for Dave LaRue out there, Yeah, yeah. I agree.
0: <laughs> and uh, speaking of Mike, a little bit again, uh, yeah. uh, he has alluded to Liquid Tension being a possibility in the future, Jordan has spoken about it briefly as well, is there some sort of plan or can you review anything or is there a chance? Like,
1: <laughs> I can't say anything.
0: Okay. All right. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, and speaking of future plans, uh, it was just announced that Dream Theater will record a new album in the fall. Yeah. Uh, when mean. you start doing this, uh, do you have anything written beforehand? Do you bring stuff or do you start from scratch? What's the philosophy there?
1: Well, it's kind of like, I mean, with Dream Theater, what we like to do most of the time is is have a collective type of writing. We're all in the same room. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if guys bring in ideas, it's more like you sort of play the idea and then everybody joins in and we bounce it off of each other. And that's how the songs are written. So it's always good to have some of those seeds that we talked about earlier, you know, just some places to go. Um, whether you use them or not, you know, you don't have to use them, but they're good like starting points, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'll always come in with something, you know, just, um, and we'll, what we'll usually do, which is really helpful too, is we'll discuss prior to, to those sessions, the type of record we want to make, which I think is, is really important. You know, um, I, you know, we have a long career and we have a large catalog. And so it's like, I, I, we we try to look at each album as being another sort of chapter in our story. Mm-hmm. So when we approach a new album we try to do something that's unique and that might just make things more interesting. You know, why do people want to keep listening to Dream Theater or want to get the new record if there's not anything new or different or exciting about it? Yeah. And so that so we'll discuss that beforehand so that everybody can kind of like just be I don't know, on the same wavelength, so what are we trying to do here, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just walking in like <laughs> All right, what do you want to do? I don't know, what yeah. do you want to do? <laughs> blank
0: page, yeah Yeah, blank page, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. And at this point, I mean, at this point in your career, do you feel there's still something to conquer? You did like concept albums, you played with orchestras, sure. acoustic shows, played albums in full. what keeps the fire in the f- these five guys that make Dream theater today,
1: right, I do. I, I definitely think there's still a ton to conquer. Uh, th- there's always another idea, you know you wake up one day and you're like, "Oh, you know it would be really cool if we, mm-hmm. if we did this. If we tried that." Um, sometimes it, it it could have to do with stylistic decisions, sometimes it could have to do with production choices and decisions or direction. like, yep. hey, you know we've never made a record like this. Uh, let's try that, you know, sometimes in the case of distance over time, it, it had more to do with like how we went about it. Like just all the guys going away together and like, you know, just being isolated. Like we never did that before. So sometimes it's about that. And, and, you know, you try to, you try to make it fun and interesting and cool and unique. And ultimately you try to feel good about it so that when it comes out, you know, you're proud of, you're proud of it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one curiosity I have as a fan is yeah. you guys used to talk a lot about uh, what would Rush do. Yeah, sure. When when it comes to making decisions and all that. Yeah. Can you give me an example of where where that rationale was employed, maybe musically or you know managing the career and so on?
1: Well, a good a good example is, and you know, we we kind of uh, it's a little bit unfair because we use the same artist as Rush. used <laughs> you know, Hugh Syme does he's yeah. done most of. Dream Theater album covers and he's done all of the Rush album covers. Um but that's a good example in you know I was always impressed by when they put out an album everything uh can you know cent- centered around the the art of that record. So mm-hmm. you know not only the the album their merchandise their advertising campaign if you want to call it that right. um their when you went to the show, the tour program, uh, the look of the stage set, like everything just was like very much in the same aesthetic of the album art, and and like a band like Iron Maiden does the same thing, mm-hmm. Metallica does the same thing, and it's kind of like you're welcoming people into this world that you created, and it you know we really really did that um, to the the furthest degree on the with the astonishing
0: it's astonishing
1: yeah. yeah. Big time. And so that is definitely one of those what would Rush do because they were the uh, the kings at doing that. You know, when you walked into a, a, a Rush show, it's like, and you know, you saw all the T-shirts of the the concert that you're going to. Yeah. You picked up the program. The program was all centered around the tour that you were going to. And you looked on stage and it was, you know, the video and the light show and the stage. Everything had to do with you know the concept if it was presto if it was signals if it was whatever it had to do with that album and again iron maiden total kings are doing that same thing so yeah that that's a good example of that keeping consistency in in the artistic presentation
0: okay yeah and uh you know let me talk about a trick that you do on guitar, which is present on pretty much every Dream Theater album. When uh. you sort of repeat the main melody of the song on mm-hmm. an ending solo, for example, on Octavarium, Yeah, Blue Dot, you do that, and uh, it's a great way to sort of stress and stretch the melody a little bit and to get the song ingrained in the brain, Yeah, right, of the fans. Could you talk a little bit about that? Um, I, you know, those are some of my favorite moments.
1: Honestly, I mean, it's it's as a guitar player. First of all, it's the best, you know, one of the best writing instruments. So it's always fun to write music on guitar mm-hmm. it just comes so naturally. Um, it's fun to shred and play solos and improvise for sure. That's sort of like driving a fast car. But the moments that you're talking about where the guitar is the melody king and is yeah. soaring and, and driving that melody, you know, like on a song like uh, At Wits End, mm-hmm. um, off of Distance Over Time, does that same thing. That's some of my favorite moments, you know, ever to play. It's it's I can't explain it. It's incredibly rewarding, um, you know, just artistically, creatively. It's fun as far as being a guitar player and manipulating the notes to be as emotional as possible. And it's a good writing technique, I think, because it, it almost harkens back to, to a more symphonic style where you're stating these big, big melodies that maybe have been hinted at. But then you're you're sort of like taking it home at the yeah. end. And it, it gives a very sort of cinematic vibe as well. I mean, you know, that all that sort of John Williams stuff and Hans Zimmer, you know, that stuff is all yes. about that. You know, those big, big melodies that, you know, cause you to cry or get emotional or remember that part of the movie or yeah. whatever. Um, so as a guitar player, those are some of my favorite moments to play yeah. all the time. I will always... I will always be the guy to take take that role. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, l- last question for me. Uh, now that you have almost two hours worth of solo material, do you see yourself presenting these songs on a different setting than the G3 tours? Or well, I can now. I can. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: Yeah. I never. I never really had enough material to do a whole show. You know, tour with. So we'll see. Obviously, the world is in a very. Uh, you know. Yeah, different place. place. Yeah, you know, strange place. We're not sure what's going to happen with live music or when. We're all, yeah. you know, hoping for the best, but um, you know, when when that does get to a point and um other than Dream Theater touring plans which are always really busy, uh yeah. it, it, if something should come up like the opportunity to do some kind of solo run, now now I have some catalog. Now I can play yeah. a whole show, so <laughs> That's cool, yeah. actually.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, oh, oh, John, I want to thank you for your time, for so many years of amazing music, and for the new album, Terminal Velocity. All oh, the man. best, Thank you. Thanks thank for you so much, uh,
1: having buddy. me be your first video guest. No worries. Thanks. <laughs> Take right. care. All right. Nice Bye. talking Bye. to you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye. Okay, everyone. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this interview with John Petrucci. You can listen to it also on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. Also, please follow us on Twitter and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're gonna finish now with the song Snake in My Boot from John Petrucci's second solo album, Terminal Velocity. Take care, stay safe and crank it up!